Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica, and we are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we're going to talk about birth, babies, breastfeeding, nursing practice, and more from our perspective as nurses in the hospital world. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a newly pregnant, first-time parent, or expecting your second baby and you want a better experience this time around, this podcast is for you. Join me and my co-host and special guests as we discuss birth from the womb to the room. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Birth Nurses podcast. Thank you for joining us. We have a special guest today. Her name is Dr. Fabilia Aflac, and we love Dr. Aflac. She is doing something really special and different in the OBGYN community. She is an OBGYN, but she does something called concierge OB. Did I say that right? And um, we want to hear more about what she does and her practice. So welcome, Dr. Aflac. Welcome, Dr. Aflac. Well, thank you. This is such an honor to have you. Tell us about you, where you live, how many kids you have, and what are your credentials, your title? Where you came from. Okay. Where I came from. Okay. So um, what first of all, people always ask me where my name comes from. They're like Fabili Aflac. That's such a strange name. (laughs) <laughs> I just want to say I have two. I, I have two sisters and a brother, and my older sister, it, her name is Marlene, and my younger one is Leslie. I, how did I get Fabilia? <laughs> you know, I, mean? I was like, I wonder. I always had a cocktail. And well, uh, <laughs> I know. I'm like, what? What was that all about? Like, why did I get that? And um, my mom says that you know my great grandfather was Syrian, and Aflac is a mm. Syrian name. And her best friend was Syrian. She, her name was Fabilia. So therefore, she that's why she Aww. called me Fabilia. So, uh, and, it, you know, I couldn't say my name when I was young. So <laughs> couldn't even <laughs> spell it. So uh, I, it took, uh, Fabilia became me, you know, unique in yeah. her own way. Right. Do you have so, a nickname? We never call you anything at work other than oh, Fabilia well, or Dr. Affleck. Do you have a, well, okay. a secret hidden nickname that we should know about? Well, on my um, so my family and my uh, friends and you guys are my friends. They call me Fabby. Fabby, love it. Fabby, and okay. my mom would call me. You know, her little pet name was BB. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, when I was in medical school, they called me Fibula or a Bill. <laughs> you know what? You can't. You can. You can almost not help that. Right? Right. Fibula. I mean, it's like such a medical school name. Yeah, I know, right? That's it's like you're just an inch away. <laughs> right. I know. I know. So I'm just a little bit background. So I was born in Brooklyn and I uh, actually, I moved to Montreal, Canada. That's where my first language is French. And mm-hmm. I did most of my elementary and high school in French. So I am fluent in that language. I remember and, the first time I heard you open your mouth and start speaking fluent uh-huh. French. I'm like, okay, what? I said, where are you from? Why do you know? Why do you not speak such well, beautifully I fluent want, French? Liz, listen, <laughs> let me tell you, okay? I In Canada, I actually went to Sunday Italian school. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I just want you to know, this is why I have a kinship with you because I say my mutadela, you know, I, I love that. Yeah. Let me tell you. So, so anyways, I grew up incredibly funny. I know. Right. That's so funny. Yeah. So I, I, I grew up in Montreal, Canada. I grew up with a socialized medicine. You know, you mm-hmm. don't go to a doctor unless you're really, really sick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I went back to New York uh, for college, uh, actually the last year of high school and then college. Then I went to medical school in Penn State. 
Pennsylvania, go Nittany Lions. Go Nittany Lions. Go Nittany Lions. And then I went back to New York uh, in the Bronx for my residency and actually mm. stayed there for 13 years. Wow. As um, he, the my chairman wanted to uh, embark me in the residence training and he loved me so much because I challenged him all the time. And uh, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. And uh, we, um, we basically... Uh, uh, in 2013, after Hurricane Sandy, I said, I'm done with New York. Wow. So we moved to California because my husband is in, in film. And so I could basically go anywhere. And that's where I, I ended up in California. But in my training, I, uh, I learned how to do deliveries with midwives. That's yeah. who trained me. Yeah. Uh, in the hospital, we did water births. We did, wow. um, yeah, uh, very uh, hands-off deliveries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was mm -hmm. like I, I've always been surrounded by midwives. To me, the midwives are part of the team. So I, and, uh, I've never thought of midwives as just a team member. Yeah. You know, so Absolutely. until I came to California and realized there was a difference mm -hmm. in midwifery, I didn't know there was a difference because I only knew one way. Wow. So, Very so that's basically uh, me uh, in terms I'm, I'm in fully trained in obstetrics and gynecology, but uh, some people say I'm a secret midwife at heart. So I don't know. In your soul. That's why I love guy. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> So yes. I have a question. Um, yes. My internist became a concierge doctor and informed me several years ago that he was leaving the practice that I was in. To right. And I thought, what a sellout, you know? It's like, how right. do you leave to go be a concierge? And then I started to kind of learn a little bit more about the world of concierge. But you are really, truly what I think a concierge physician should be if they're going to call mm -hmm. themselves that. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means so we can sort of dis demystify the concierge doctor? Well, I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, I'm almost inclined to not call myself concierge because it's it's gotten a bad yeah. word, yeah. kind of like organic. You know? Right. right. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like... Um, it, once upon a time, we didn't speak of organic because everything was grown. It was organic, right? Mm -hmm. And now we use the word because we need to differentiate. Yeah. And now yeah. I feel like concierge is being used just to justify your costs of extra. Mm. Very interesting. I, I yeah. kind of agree. What That's what it feels like when Correct. I find concierge doctors. It's, Yeah. So I, one of the things that I, I, I'm saying, I'm trying to bring back the, the, how should I say the house call doctor, the friendly mm -hmm. doctor, the home visit doctor, the mobile, yeah. should I call myself a mobile practice or the mobile doctor or the personalized physician? I don't know, but mm -hmm. concierge really bothers me, but that's the only umbrella that, that is. I'm being placed under. So what I do, I basically bring the office wherever you are. And the Which idea. Is a lot like how a midwife practices too, a home birth midwife. Correct. They correct. Go to the person's home for prenatal appointments and yeah. And that actually came about to me one day after I had my daughter, I really changed everything mm -hmm. because, um, what I said is nobody prepared me for this. Like I went to all my OB visits. I did everything, but nobody prepared me for motherhood. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and my motherhood, I questioned my identity. I questioned who I, I was. I questioned everything because of my insecurity as a mother walking into my body was changing. Everything was changing about me. And so I said, you know, I feel like I'm living a lie. Somebody like, I wanted this child, I wanted, but somebody like gave me, uh, gave me a lie. 
And now I have to discover this on my own, you know, and in that discovery, in that journey, I'm surrounded by friends and I see a bunch of friends of mine, one who was a VP in, um, in American Express, quit everything mm -hmm. to become a mother. Wow. And then I had another one who was an accountant and she was being flown all over the place. She quit all of that to become a mother. And then I was like, oh, I can't do that. I'm going to drive my kids crazy. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, 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 I don't, I don't see myself as just being a home mom. And somehow the conclusion was like, I'm supposed to give up all my dreams, all my aspiration, all everything I have of me, everything of me to be a mother. And I said, that can't be true. Hmm. That cannot be true because there's so much of me to offer to my daughter and just giving her one perspective of me would be wrong. Yeah. And so I really went on a journey and in through that, but I also felt so wrong to feel like that. I felt judged. I felt um, inadequate. I felt undeserving as a mother. I felt like something was wrong with me. I was broken. I didn't hear the bells that everybody talked about. I didn't, I didn't like fall in love, you know, I didn't, I was not in love. I felt responsible. I felt right. obligated. I yeah. felt all these things, but I know all this. I'm a doctor, right? Yeah. So, and I, I do, I do remember feeling like I couldn't touch the ground and that's the best way I could explain. My husband was like, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm going through an identity crisis. And I said, everything that I know, I'm questioning. And so I wanted to go back to the one thing I knew. And that is that I'm good at. And that is being a doctor. That's reassuring to me. You know, can I ask you a question about that? When yes. you went back to being a doctor, you went into a traditional office situation. Correct. I did. Most of the time with, with partners or people that you share offices with. And right. you did that over and over again. What right. was part of this identity crisis help you go, I'm going to go in a different direction and be this concierge. I'm going to be this doctor that makes home visits. Like, is that how that happened? So no. So actually when I went back, I just felt wrong because then I was, I felt guilty not going home, not being home. So I, I felt like torn, like I felt like this is, is not me anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, who am I joking? I have, I want to be home. I want to be with my daughter. I want, I want to connect. I have something, something is wrong. And it's almost as if I had to rewrite my story, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, and I remember talking to uh uh, a good friend of mine and uh, she said to me you're a good mother and I said how, how can you say that you know I'm not doing anything that resembles a mother and uh, she said to me the child teaches you how to be a mother you are an apprentice but you are also a teacher you can't and I, and I thought that was so beautiful because who taught me how to be a mother was my daughter. Hmm. And I remember the day I connected with her because I finally forgave myself for going through that, you know? And what I needed to do is embrace this new person and not give up my old. I didn't have to give up my doctor. I didn't have to give up who I was to become a mother. I had to embrace all of me. And I think that's the one thing that we try to be perfect in everything. And it was not perfection. It was really presence. Um, every time I'm a, in a delivery, I'm present. And I come as a mother, as a friend, as a daughter, as a wife, as a friend, I come as all as me. 
So that's why I approach a mother in that way, that you don't have perfection is not real and you will never acquire that. I, I embrace the, the quirkiness, the craziness, the, all of those things about me. And I feel like I almost have what I found. I need to share it. I need to embrace uh, who I am. So in my practice, the way I change, I prepare the mother for motherhood. Hmm, so in needed. that it's it's I prepare you for parenting, you know, mm-hmm. on top of doing your prenatal visit. And I feel like that's what I was lacking. Mm-hmm. I was lacking, uh, you know, pregnancy and it's all in it, its an incubation. We it's a it's a journey and it's a transition. You're not just growing a baby. You're growing your motherhood. You know? mm-hmm. You're growing this new identity. You're relinquishing and you're you're letting go of your past. You're letting go of your former self. And letting go doesn't mean you're letting go of the I'm talking about letting go the falseness, you know, mm-hmm. the false expectation, wrong thoughts, all these things that you think you're meant to be, like your perfectionism, all that led you to where you are. Because motherhood is really embracing the uncertainty of things, right? It's like surrendering control. That's what motherhood is all about, you know. What was it like yeah. to try to do that in a in a 15-minute or a 20-minute office visit? It's over time. And every trimester has its milestones. Mm-hmm. So I use the first trimester, as we discover, is it, you don't feel the baby, right? So it almost feels unreal. So the first trimester is, oh my God, am I really pregnant? What's going on? I'm going to be a mom. I'm this and that. So it's a disbelief. So it's demystifying like the false, okay, can I eat this? Can I not eat this? Can I do this? Can I So you're undoing. All the lies that you you knew as a motherhood, right? As what motherhood looks like. A lot yeah. of times women are like, I could never be a mother. Why? Why would you say that? Oh, because this and this and that. And so I undo that process in the first trimester. Second trimester is kind of like a honeymoon phase <laughs> because it's pretty much the, the stability. Now you kind of feel good. You got some energy and you're moving around and you like, you almost <laughs> like. Nausea is oh, usually passed for most exactly. of us. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of, you you live in the euphoria of it. Mm-hmm. It's like the honeymoon phase, just like in a marriage. Like, oh, this is good, blah, blah, blah. And third trimester, third trimester is the impending doom. It's yeah, really it like real. it gets real because like, oh wait, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna be a wait, mom. Um, soon. I'm not finished yeah. doing A, B, and C. Wait exactly. <laughs> and you you sense like the time has passed and you're not ready. So you're like you start trying to to get things ready, get things doing, and it's almost at a panic phase, right? And so in that, I try to explain to you that you have everything already. The baby only needs your love and your presence and who you are. So we go back to the beginning again, to the, the what is important? What are my priorities? You start organizing your priorities. What is necessary? Food, baby, that's, you start prioritizing and really seeing who you are. And then I call the fourth trimester is when the baby is present. The fourth trimester is the adjustment period. Now you finally are here with the baby and you're going home. And your insecurity is at its peak. And now everything you learned from one, two, and three is supposed to be applying there. Right. But somehow... You forgot about the whole lesson, okay? You forgot all about it. You forgot about your entire training. And it's all about applying what you have learned through the one, two, and three into the fourth. That's right. And this, and this is where the uh, invaders come in, you know, the mm-hmm. invaders, where you have to cut the demystify all the false. And stand strong. And then you become like, and you're like, ah, I got this. 
So I am hearing, yeah, I'm hearing like something completely different than what I thought I was going to hear. I was waiting for Dr. Affleck to tell us all about the logistics of concierge of going to the home and I bring my ultrasound machine, I bring my lab work kit and I draw blood and I listen to the heartbeat. But really what you're telling me is that this concierge practice is really about a full preparation of motherhood. You are having a relationship in someone's home, talking them through this. It's so much more than what I thought you were going to say. So that's what you feel, a concierge doctor. If they're going to call them that, then they're not just there for a phone call. You're taking them through a life. Correct. Yeah. And that's wow. the holistic, holistic yeah. approach, you know, of, uh, of, of, of wow. OBGYN, the mm-hmm. mind, the body and the spirit, right? So in, and if you look at holistic, it means the spirit is the willingness with w- the purity of everything, mm-hmm. like you wanting to be a mom, right? And a father. And then the, the, the soul is the false. So the mind and the emotions and all that compromise your soul and then the body is the changes mm-hmm. so every we apply all of that into it wow i have a friend who says when a baby is born a mother is too and that's yes. exactly what you're saying here is that you're anticipating this change for your patients and you're guiding them through one trimester at a time one appointment at a time uh, to help them see they're going to go through some major changes and you're just, you're overseeing the bodily changes, but also the spiritual emotional changes as well. And that's yeah. so unique coming from an OBGYN. I think that's not heard of and not common. And I love that this is how you've, you know, how you practice. And I think hearing your story, your daughter has really played a huge part in that. And so maybe yes. she should be it. Maybe she should be your assistant. Maybe she should. Maybe you have a, <laughs> know, a right? midwife. Maybe you're growing a little midwife. Can I ask well, a question, uh, Dr. Affleck? Yes. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, when you go into someone's home, right. it must be on your radar to look around and to feel and absorb what's going on in that household. And that has to be something that's more profound than having them come into an office setting where they're, you know, it's much more sterile atmosphere. I mean, it needs to be because that's what offices are about. I mean, but what is it like when you go into their homes and you're with the family? I'm assuming that sometimes partners are there or other children or they're alone. Well, so far I've had so many visits where there are a lot of dogs. <laughs> so funny, and it, uh, and 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 I will say this: I walk into, I know it's it's so. I and the first thing I see people do is the dogs welcome me. Yeah, they are somehow they they know what I'm coming in for. They sense my energy or my presence or something, but they I am. I had one couple where they had three dogs and one dog was paraplegic. Okay. And Mm -hmm. I kid you not, that poor dog dragged its body to come to me. (laughs) Okay. It was like, I can, and then they were just blown away. They've never seen her do that. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what it is that somehow I attract them and they won't, I have to give them the attention before I address the family. Okay. I love it. I feel that I always bring hope. And I tell people, and even in the midst of hopelessness, I will hold on to the hope until you're ready to receive it. That's amazing. If that makes sense. Um, so I always bring joy. And so to demystify the lie that you're telling into your head. So I, I come into a home and already you're afraid. So I come in with a smile and, and you're, and realize, listen, this is your home. I'm in your territory. You have the control. I'm being Mm -hmm. invited in Mm -hmm. 
So I'm reminding them of their power. And Do you think when people are more forthcoming with you? Oh, yes. Open, or they find themselves telling you or revealing more. So yes, when they're in yes. their home setting, in their bedroom, in their living room. It's nakedness. Yeah, isn't it? It's complete transparency mm-hmm. yeah, when exactly. I'm walking into, into their home. When they walk into my office, it's not even transparency because yeah. you don't know anything about me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? So you yeah. walk into my cold office and you come in and there's a wall. Yeah. Nobody is breaking down the walls. Yeah. So when I come into a home, the wall is already broken. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you yeah, are yeah. exposed. So then I have to expose myself. Do you see the difference? Mm-hmm. And so no longer the, the, the vulnerability is no longer in you. It's me. Yeah. And so I have to come in received, receiving and, and, and letting go. And so I sit on the floor, yeah. you know, I don't wear a lab coat I come as a friend with knowledge and information. Right. A skilled and knowledgeable friend. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And just to uh, bring back, like, uh, you know, my job, I'm a doctor. I am skilled. That is also not complete my identity, mm-hmm. right? My identity lies within all of that. Right. And yeah. so... I am walking into your home as such, you know, jeans and, and so a t-shirt, jeans and a t-shirt with my, yeah. with my fetoscope and, uh, exactly. my, you know, like, hi, and I love that. <laughs> so the thing is that everybody's like, Oh, where's your ultrasound? Look at this new gadget I got. It's right. a Wi-Fi. It's this and that. And then uh, cool. um, a Wi-Fi uh, blood pressure cuff and uh, a portable weight machine. And like, I even have a fetal monitor that is uh, portable. And so awesome. they're all like blown away. I said, the office only provides security for me. Mm. Yeah. That's what the office does. Right. Yeah. A four wall in a, of an office provides security for me. It doesn't provide you with no security. Your house provides the patient security. Yeah. So I believe that the person that's seeking help should have the 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 front uh, home home advantage, so to speak. You know <laughs> home court saying? advantage, exactly. <laughs> right. And I that's I should come. Yeah, it's home court advantage. It's kind of like their Oval Office, you know. Yeah, I, I, and so that's, that's what, uh, so I'm glad you asked that question. People's Thank blood you pressure so much is lower. That. That's really interesting. I that's bet, I, I bet in their say. own house, right? They're not white coat. White no, no white coat. Doesn't show up. Yeah. You no, know, I do like it when I go into a doctor's uh, office and there's pictures of his kids or art or photography. It's like, oh, did you take that? Yeah. Yeah. I was in, you know, Iceland and, you know, I like, I do like <laughs> that. I think it's. It, so to have somebody in your home, it's like they see all of me. Right. Mm-hmm. My oops, my laundry basket's full. There's some dishes <laughs> in the sink. Everything's not yeah. like this is who I am. Must be very raw, but at the same time, they've invited you there. Correct. Right. So there, there. Yes, and there's some people that uh, may not feel too comfortable because they're afraid of judgment. Yeah. And so I, with that, what I do is that I expose myself. How do you do that? So I tell them me. Mm-hmm. I tell them uh, about my family. I tell mm-hmm. them about my background. I tell them something personal of me that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. And the reason why is I'm trying to bring a human face to also the doctor. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, sometimes we put the doctor into a position of God and I am not God. Do you know what I mean? Like, and what I mean by that, it's like a high, high, high. I'm the end all and be all. And no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I think more doctors, especially obstetricians want to be seen. Like I am a human being. I may be rushed and I have to see you, but I have 
uh, you know, a partner, I have kids, I have elderly parents, I have people I'm taking care of. I, I really want to get to a baseball game. And that's part of the reason why I feel just, you know, you, you see me feeling distracted, or I've got somebody in labor, and mm-hmm. I got to get out of here. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I just wonder, I think, I would love to get inside the head of the person sitting there. You know, right, right, right. We have to show because uh, a lot of time, if we don't do that, then uh, one of the things I also do is shift responsibility. We, I have a responsibility, and so do you. You can't yeah. shift all the responsibility towards me, and hence is why I don't just focus on the mother. I do it I, with the unit. Good. Because the problem is, is that we have put aside the father Mm -hmm. and put him in the waiting room. And then, yes, with this whole Me Too movement and the whole uh, we have uh, um, the the power of the woman. But in doing that, we also put all the responsibility on our shoulders Mm -hmm. and the accountability. Mm -hmm. And what I tend to do is tend to say 23 genes of this is not yours. You have to share that responsibility with him. With your partner. Yeah. Correct. Because if you, if, if it's all on you, then what if, you know, you feel like you made a wrong decision, then you carry all that burden with you. It transfers and then to motherhood. Tra- transfers yeah. to motherhood. And then the partner has the right to say, well, it was your decision. Yikes. And that's not fair. Uh, that happens a lot. In, in exactly. delivery, and that's a very that's we could do another whole podcast on that. And think, I think <laughs> yes. we should. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, very, it's very yes. very true. Wow. Yeah, it's so thick, it's, it's thick. not just the logistics of getting into the house with your equipment and having a chat. This concierge thing for you is the process of helping someone become a mother. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Now I have a question. Wow. Um, if someone for some reason didn't want you in their home or it just didn't work out. Is there an option for them to go to an office space? Like, do you have an yeah. office space? Okay. Yes, I do. I actually do. So in my website, I have uh, a resource page where I, uh, if a person wants a home birth, there's one midwife I work with who does do home birth. Awesome. And, I actually share an office with her. Cool. Do you want to say who and that so, is? <laughs> you don't have yes, to. But no, no, no. I don't have a problem saying it's just her last name is extremely hard <laughs> for me to say. So we can go to your uh, website. We could go to your well, website and well, and, I don't want. Uh, I, I don't want. Yes, I don't want to <laughs> undo her. Uh, destroy her name. Okay. So let me, let me have at it because I call her Alex. Okay. okay. But her name is oh, Alexandra. Alex. Yeah. Alexandra Evangeliti. Evangeliti. It's her last Evangeliti. Yes. Evangeliti. Oh, like- Alex Evangeliti. Yes. Thank you. And You're- so every time somebody tries to, I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> it's Alex. And so, she is, I met her and it's as if we were friends for life. Like it was a divine moment. And, and she, she is like a breath of fresh air. So I, it was only natural for me to share space with her and her office is, is a living room. So it still feels like you're in a home. Me. Oh, yeah. Nice. Correct. It's not like uh, the four walls of an office. Yeah. So how would this work? What if you have a patient? who decides maybe halfway through prenatal appointments that they want to have a home birth instead of a hospital birth, would you have the midwife come with you to prenatal appointments or do you transfer complete care to the midwife? No. Well, it's a great question because what happened? Yeah. So one of the things I do is I do work with the midwives. Mm -hmm. I work with the doulas. I call it a team meeting. Okay. So I always create a meeting where we meet all each other and we go through the scenarios of what it will look like if there's a hospital transfer. Naturally, I explain to them and in my in the contract that they signed with the midwife and in my contract, if they choose that, the responsibility that you decided to do that, provided that you are low risk, is okay. 
your your care begins when you're in the hospital with me. So, okay. Okay. And so the it's a choice. I'm not uh, condoning, but I still want to be present for you in case you need me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not uh, in. Uh, you know, Alex is trying to convince me for the longest time to do home births for the <laughs> longest time. And I don't foresee myself doing that so much, but I do see something happening. Like, is it a birthing center within a hospital? Ooh. You know, oh, like yeah. where there's a living room atmosphere, where there's a, a totally within the hospital. I can foresee that. That's you know? cool. And you can easily transfer. That's the future for me that looks like that we are all there for the care of the woman, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I, but I do do that. So I, I keep, I stay in care with you and I'm even part of the group chat The I know, I want to know when you go in labor, I want to be there in spirit with you and cheering you on for the delivery that you're going to have. I, I do all that. I'm completely involved. Yeah. Yeah. Would it go the opposite way too? Like if, they're with the midwife, but then they become a high risk patient. Would they be transferred yes. to your care? Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah, they do. Because I want to provide that option, mm-hmm. you know, because it's something to be said to be dropped off in a hospital and nobody knows you and nobody cares, you know. Yeah. Granted, the nurses are so wonderful. They are caring and they already know you transferred there for a reason and you're mm-hmm. nervous. Mm-hmm. You chose a, host, a home birth for a reason, and this was not part of your plan. Right, so yeah. you are already well received with that thought, you know, yeah. that you did not want that. So nobody is shaming you. Yeah. And that's the thing I don't want is the person coming in and shaming them for their decision. Right. right. Because there's enough shame to go in the fourth trimester that we have to undo, you know, with oh, the God. whole breastfeeding, <laughs> the whole like inadequacy. I, we don't need to add to that, mm-hmm. you know? And do you, so, um, do you have privileges at more than one hospital then? Oh, yes. And that's the other thing. So I have privileges. Which is pretty unusual, I have to say. It's usually one or two hospitals where obstetricians live close, work close. Um, but to have privileges really allows you to take patients that you can then go and deliver them. You don't Correct. just turn them Correct. over to the hospital. We want to make that clear. Correct. You deliver well, your it, patients. Correct. And here's the beauty that just, I had one patient. She planned to deliver in Santa Monica. Okay. Mm-hmm. But she lives downtown. Mm-hmm. So I went to go see her and this was her second baby. Mm-hmm. And she basically tells, I go to see her and I said, uh, I'm looking at you. You just, you don't look right. You don't look like yourself. You're usually very perky. And she goes, oh, well, I'm starting to have contractions. I said, oh, really? Okay. So I'm going to check you. And she was four centimeters. And I said, okay, so you're in labor. She goes, are you sure, Dr. Affleck? Because I mean, I feel uncomfortable, but I don't feel terrible. I feel, and I said, uh, you've never acted and your behavior is completely different. <laughs> you are in labor, okay? And I just want you to know that you will go from zero to 10, okay? Right, 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 so right. I'm going to call you in about two hours just to see where you're at, okay? So I call her in two hours from then, and then she goes and tells me, ah, I don't know, Dr. Affleck, they're all over the place. Do you think I should start counting them. I said, what are you doing? You should go to the hospital. What are you, you're not going to make it. I kid you not. One hour later, I get a phone call from her husband. Oh, Dr. Affleck. Oh my God. Oh my God. The baby is coming. And Uh I don't know. Of course. So they call the ambulance. They have to take her to the nearest hospital. (laughs) Guess what? The hospital they're going to, I have privileges with. Oh, God. And, and so I was able to go and Amazing. and and deliver. But I'm just saying, they go like, oh, oh, my God, Dr. Alpha, you have privileges in this hospital. So yes, for this particular reason. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that brings up a good point. Do you find that a lot of your patients end up going unmedicated because you're providing this holistic care? They seek you out for that reason and yes. they're or do they, if, do they even, is that a goal of theirs, all of them? Or are they just going with the with like yeah, we'll talk about that. So a lot of my patients, I just had that question from somebody that said to me, I see in your website, you say natural. Mm. And I said, I know I say natural birth, right? What does that mean exactly? To me, Mm. once upon a time, natural birth meant you deliver vaginally. Right. Right. Yeah. So now what is, it's again, that organic thing, you know, (laughs) now you have to uh, clarify what that means. And I think natural now means unmedicated. Mm. And so she wanted to know whether I take on patients that do want medication. I said, my dear, I'm no place to judge. I had an epidural at one centimeter. (laughs) I, I honestly, I think what I want you to take to this message is that I want you to allow yourself the freedom to change your mind. Yes. Do not go into this closed-minded with one particular. You've never had this experience. So you don't know. And when you go in with walls and constriction and boundaries and all this, you you don't allow yourself to or forgive yourself to change your mind. You know? That's a very so, interesting thing. I think Shane and I as nurses often in the delivery room, you know, it's hard to say this because I, I know there's some, you know, people out there listening who might not like the way I phrase this, but I really just don't know whether any other way. It is hard when somebody comes in with a very specific narrative or a very specific idea in their head. And then if that changes, there's that shame and guilt that starts to come over them. And that is, it's like, I'm not not supportive. I know that's a double negative. I am supportive of your birth plan or your birth wish or your vision. And I want to help you do that. But it's not my birth. And if you want to go down another road, you need to be able to do that Mm -hmm. freely. Right. And a a perfect example I had. um, So I always say people that uh, people make birth plans because they want to have a voice. Right. Hmm. Okay. And, uh, and I say hospital has birth plans. It's called protocols. Okay. Right. And so we both have birth plans. Mm -hmm. So then here's the question is as long as we can mend these two and find a bridge, then we can work together. Right. right. Yep. And so my my thing with a birth plan is they're always amendable. OK. And as long as we don't, uh, that's why the Constitution has amendments. You know, we they're always bend. They can bend because of circumstances can change. I had one delivery there where she has a birth plan and she was so adamant that she did not want an epidural. And she went through the whole experience with so much pain to eight centimeters. And Excuse me. Hello. Oh, I was with you. We were, birth, by the way. And yes. I took over that patient from you. <laughs> yes. Liz, you remember no. both with your yes. patient. Yes. yes. She and was so amazing. I, I have to say. She was, she, she, was, she was amazing. But then yeah. what happened is that the, you create this birth plan to have a voice. And she was yelling that she, did, she wanted an epidural. And nobody was listening to her. Well, except for the nurse. Let's be clear on who nobody. With, Thank you right? very much. <laughs> yes. Except for the nurse. And the nurse was that, which by the way, the nurse is the number one advocate yeah. is what I always say, because you're there 24 hours with the patient. Mm-hmm. And so the nurse was very adamant and she pulled me aside. Remember that when you pulled me aside, yeah. oh, and, pulled me aside <laughs> and you said, I'm really concerned. And I said, okay, so I actually, I, and this is why I say we're a team, right? So I spoke to the doula, the doula and I told her, I'm concerned that we're now, she's voicing it out and we're not listening. Right. The whole point is that really we, hard. she is, it's very hard. Yeah. She, we're not listening to her. And that was the reason why she did the birth plan. Now we're not allowing her to change her mind. We're actually mm-hmm. putting shame in there. 
And then I told, I took the husband and said the same thing. But then I put the responsibility on him. I said, I want you to go tell her. That when you're okay. That her. you're okay. That you're okay. That you're okay. Because somehow she's holding on to that to make sure. So she finally got her epidural, right? And she was a different the first woman. thing she was a completely different woman and she's like i don't understand and she relaxed and was able to become complete mm-hmm. her and that's the thing people don't understand that sometimes your body self-protects yep. yeah you can you may think that you're relaxed unless i've seen hypnobirth and this woman was able to relax her body in ways it was unbelievable. I, I she was love, really good. When it's really hypnobirth, it's pretty. When it's pretty when you can amazing. do it, yeah. A, when you can do it, then all power. But sometimes yeah. the body, you know, the mind and the body, sometimes it breaks, you know, and yeah. then you're not able to relax. And that's when the epidural can help because it was able to help her relax her, and she became fully dilated, and she was ready to push. And then she was so present. She yeah. goes and tells me, I don't know if I would have been able to be present like I am. She was able to pull the baby out herself, yeah. you know? I mean, she was, and she's like, I don't think I would be able to do this if I didn't have my epidural. And I said, you see, the thing is, is that what she had made, the conclusion of the equation, I always try to find the equation, Right. Two plus yes. two equals four. Her equation was epidural C-section. That was exactly. her equation. Exactly. And don't her you think equation- it was so much more about her giving, like the people around her, she needed to hear that she wasn't disappointing others. Correct. Yep. That Correct. was so hard Correct. for me that day. I was beside right. myself because I was trying and, um, you know, but you I, were amazing. Like, I will say you, both of you, sweet. like you were so, because I could see how much you were fighting for her out your whole body. You are not a good poker player. By no, the way. no, 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 I guess. <laughs> I'm like, I, could I see thought you. I'm going to lose my shit. You were so long day. But I really, really appreciated how you went in there and said, okay, y'all, we're going to have a conversation. Now you're going to listen to me. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to be that. Why didn't they listen to me? I've been with you all day. And I'm like, I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm completely comfortable with um, how I approach things. But once that she... You could just see that wave go over yeah. her face of surrender and I'm going to do what I want. And this is how I take control. I have decided, I have intention and I'm going to do this and I'm going to relax and I'm going to push out a baby. And for her, that being able to have that intention was the right thing for this patient. And it was so great right. to right. that you went in there. I mean, basically, finally, I went in, I felt like a tattletale. Like, could you please go in there? <laughs> Yeah, go do something against it. Well, you know, I've had I've had the flip uh, flip. uh, I think it was another delivery with you where uh, it the flip side where the patient just gave up and she wanted a C section and Hmm. we were like, no, oh yeah, you went all the way there. That was a while. You can do this. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, I'm like, you can do this. We're not (laughs) stopping that. And they're like, we're almost like. Wait, we were your birth plan. What are you talking about? You're not giving up now. You know, it's like I mean, I, I, and it's funny because a lot of time people don't think that we have their back. Right. People forget that you know, labor and like I remember I had one, and when I was in New York, I had a patient that was screaming and cursing at everybody around her. And I remember stopping and watching, making sure the baby was okay. And I said to her, listen to me. I know you've had a rough life. I know you've had people being mean to you, but we did not wake up to be treated this way. Yeah. We did not wake up. I, I'm here to help you. And that you may not think so, but the nurses are here to help you. And I'm waiting for you to apologize because we don't deserve that. When you apologize, we'll come back in. 
Yeah, I think that sometimes when the patient all of a sudden feels like they have to be on the offensive and like you can be vulnerable right. in this space. Right. I'm here to take care of you. I, You're not hiring me to be your, I used to say handmaiden, but I can't even say that anymore. Um, but you can be vulnerable right. here. I'm here. I'm on your side. Right. And I think that people take that offense, that offense, like you work for me. Right. You know, remember, you work for me. Op, and I and I say, <laughs> like, wait a second. I, 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 and then I go, wait, no, that's not how it works. But I want you to understand that I'm here to help you. Right. Yeah. You're right in that I'm here to help you. But that doesn't give you the right to mistreat me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're understanding that you're mistreating me because some sort of preconception idea or something that makes you think, oh, do I remind you something? And I oftentimes come in that approach to people. I say, excuse me, have I offended you in any way? And if I do, did, I apologize because my intention is to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think also that when people are treating me poorly, right. part of it is from fear and anxiety. And part yes. of it also comes from what they've heard on the outside right. about a labor and delivery right. environment. I don't do home births, so I can only describe what happens on my, you know, in, in a labor and delivery setting. And so right. they're already defensive and suspicious and cautious and hand me their birth plan. And this is what I don't want. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. hi. Hi. I'm <laughs> I'm They're trying to today. protect themselves. They're trying to protect themselves yeah. from being coerced. And that's not what right. we're trying to do. We're trying right. to have a conversation and be right. on the same team and work together. And we don't want to coerce anybody into doing something they don't want to do. So well, cool. I, I, yeah. I working as a laborist has taught me to establish trust really fast. Mm -hmm. And the best way to establish trust with a person that you've never met before is to sit down, pull up the chair, and let's talk about something else. Yeah. And so yeah. I often find myself pulling the chair and getting closer human condition we forget about that part right mm -hmm. holding your hand and looking at the person and saying i got you you're yeah. going to be fine yeah so i do that too for that reason to remind them they're in safe place absolutely shana and i yeah. say that especially in this last year and a half that i always you know go in the room, get right up against the wall, you know, over by the door and take your mask down for a second so they can see your face. Because right. in, in the beginning of COVID, there were times when I realized I've been with this person or this family for eight hours and they have not seen me. They just right. see my eyes or my goggles. Do you know right. what I mean? It's, it is true right. that, you know, you, you do, it's like, I'm here because I want to be here. This is what I do. Right. And I, I remember I delivered uh, in one hospital where I was working of COVID and in the beginning of COVID, you know how they weren't allowing anybody in the room and she's right. the first time mom by herself. Oh. And so I was in the room and I began to have a party with her Yeah, in the labor. We just laugh we sang songs we sang happy birthday to the delivery we I talked about the the dreams and aspiration of the baby <laughs> because this is a woman that that she was by herself yeah and she had nobody and 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 i love that you know You're that happy. uh yeah so wow we Aww. went all over the place we said, i want to like i I don't want yeah. to stop. We have to. Doctor, I want people to know how to amazing. find you. Yeah, where do we find you? Search where do people you? find you? Oh, yeah. okay. Please. So I actually have an Instagram, Fabulous Care. And also I'm, you can find me in Facebook too, fabulouscare.com and a website. Uh, 
And it's P H A B U L O U S. Of course, care.com. Like your name, And and you know what? Everybody asks me, oh, I love this name. I said, you know why I create? I use this name. This name came to me because people couldn't say my name. They couldn't say Fabilia. So I said, just call me Fabulous. <laughs> when you first came to us, I was like, oh, God, you know, this is going to be tough. I'm not great with names. <laughs> like, right. I'm like, <laughs> what? And we worked with what is that one, one of our, one of our, we had a Fabiola for a long time. And I kept saying yes. Fabiola. And some of the younger yeah. nurses were like, Fabilia, Liz. Wait, calling her Fabiola. Oh my God, I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This was most enlightening. And we might have to, you know, we might have to, uh, you know, evolve this into, you know, more conversation with you, Doctor Affleck. Oh, I would love that. Are you kidding me? I'll have so much fun. This is great. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. So, wow, Wow. right? I know. That was such a good conversation. You know, I adore her and I love working with her. And um, I really thought that Dr. Affleck was going to take us down the road of the logistics, like I mentioned. (laughs) This is what I do in home birth. I come in, I have my ultrasound machine, or I'm going to draw labs that day or weigh my patient or take a blood pressure. I really had a whole other idea of where we were going. And at first I thought, whoa, she's all over the place. And then what I realized was she was taking us down the road of her vision of a concierge practice, which was, I am in a person's home, in their life, in their psyche, in their description of themselves, their narrative about their lives. And I was blown away. She blew my mind. Because pregnancy and prenatal care, it's just the beginning. It's just the journey to get to parenthood. Absolutely. And that's what, that's my whole thing too. Oh, I just love I her even more. Like I've worked from with her uh, for the past like seven years because I worked with her at a different hospital too. Yes, you've known and what her was, for a while. Yeah, yeah, what was unique about her whenever I had her patients, I loved having her patients because at the end of a delivery, typically the nurse is the one who um, cleans up the patient, will put on a, a clean pad, will put the bed back together, um, will kind of like tuck the mom back in mm-hmm. uh, while she's holding her baby and will start her first breastfeeding session. Well, with Dr. Affleck, she did all that. She cleaned the patient. She put the pad on. She put the mesh underwear. She sometimes would even put the bed back on, like the foot of the bed back onto <laughs> right. the main bed. I know. And I turn around and I'm like, wait. It's I, like you want to shoe I'm her away. To do that. Like, just let you do this. <laughs> like, she's like, like no. What are you doing? She's like, yeah. And she'd be like, no, you already did a lot of work. Like, this is the least I can do. And I was like, I know so many doctors must really want to be able to do more. And I know that the pressure of working in a hospital setting where the hospital, you know, it's like, I need you to see 30 patients a day. I need you to increase your numbers. I need, and I wonder how hard it must be. Obviously, she's able to, is to completely break away. And go in a completely different direction and just say, this is just how I have to do it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I think probably, you know, I'm sort of at the last three, four years of my career in labor and delivery, and you're sort of at the beginning. And, Mm -hmm. you know, actually, you're like eight years in now, aren't you? Almost seven. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I wonder how many more doctors that have had 15, 20 years of experience will go, all right, I've done the office thing. Yeah. I still want to do OB, but I'm going to take it back a notch, give myself a a limited amount of patience and like do that life. And then actually enjoy what they're doing. I'm not saying that some, that doctors don't enjoy what they're doing, but when you're Mm -hmm. feeling so stressed and overloaded by the volume of patients that you're seeing, um, 
it's hard to to see the joys and get to know each patient and their intricacies and their home life and so I think that where Dr. Affleck has gone with her practice is so fitting Mm. for her that she saw the whole person sees the whole person and wants to um, help a family transition to parenthood Um, or even if they have multiple multiple kids then than in introducing a new family member to their talk about, family. Talk about making a reality out of your vision of something completely so cool. like off the beaten trail, like an yeah. obstetrician really acting like a mid, you know, she's a midwife. Right. And being able to do that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That was really enjoyable. Well, it was so fun. good. And I hope that so we good. can have her back to talk about more things. She has so much wisdom to share. So yeah, that was fun. okay. Bye, Shana. Bye, Liz. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.